Hello, language enthusiasts, and welcome to The Language Worker, a space to talk about the people involved in the language business in a broad sense. I'm interested in finding out how their training, work experience, and their passion for languages has shaped our guests' professional and, of course, personal lives. Join me on this journey to explore the multiple and unpredictable paths one can follow when we are involved in the magical world of languages. For this episode of The Language Worker, I invited Pavel Elin. He started his first LSB in Russian, and he is now the CEO of Free Language, a company he established in Portugal over 10 years ago. We had an interesting conversation about his vision for the future of the translation industry. Hi, everybody. So this time I have with me Pavel. I mean, he will obviously, as I always say, pronounce his name himself because I would make ridiculous mistakes and therefore <laughs> I'm going to avoid them. So we're here. He's a company owner. He's actually Russian, but as far as I know, has been living in Portugal now for a long time. And uh, I'd love to know more about his story. So I'll just ask you to tell me a little bit about yourself and you, when you went to university and all of those things. We already talked about it some other day about this. So I know that it's a, a pretty interesting ride. So if you could tell us a little bit of those early days and how we came to this present situation. Uh, hello, Ada. Thank you for your invitation to take part in your podcast. It's always a pleasure uh, to talk to, uh, with you. So, uh, uh, my name is Pavel Elin. I was born in Russia, and my um, story, my path um, in the language industry actually started at school because uh, at school we had a special course of um, technical translations, and I, I was one of those uh, students who uh, decided to learn this, uh, uh, to, to, to attend uh, that lessons, and I even received a sort of a certificate after school mm -hmm. that I am a second grade translator. No, nobody knows uh, what does it mean, but at least it was like basic. Uh, but uh, actually, it is my mother who should be blamed for my 16 years in the industry. Mm -hmm. I was uh, a second year student uh, at uh, the Linguistic University. I studied languages and uh, during the daytime and during uh, in the evening, during night time, I worked as a taxi driver. And I was looking for for some uh, for a job for another for a job that I can uh, that would allow me to continue my studies, but to earn more and uh, in more convenient environment. So one day I saw a short advert uh, in, about um, published by a local uh, translation agency. Uh, they needed a translator from English into Russian, and uh, I, I told my mother about it, and, and she said, okay, you should uh, call them, you should uh, ask them, maybe they can, um, maybe you can uh, do some translations for them. I was 100% sure that they said no, because I didn't have a diploma, I didn't uh, finish my studies by that time, but I decided to give it a try. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm grateful for this chance because uh, they accepted my CV. They, uh, uh, they, they allowed me to uh, try. And actually, I called them in the morning. And by the end of the day, I got my first translation project. Wow. <laughs> when I... Uh, yeah, it was... It was, uh, it was uh, at first, it was challenging. I, I remember how... Uh, it, it was difficult to translate those two pages, but step by step, I got into that and um, started cooperation with other uh, clients. Uh, then uh, when I completed my studies at the university, uh, I uh, started my first business with my ex-groupmate. We uh, established uh, a local translation agency mm. and we were- In Russia? Start- Yes, we were the first, the first uh, in the city uh, who provided translations from and into more than twenty-five languages. It was uh, absolutely uh, different from uh, other LCPs presented uh, in the city. So uh, we worked hard to um, to, to um, find as many translators as possible, and we should remember that it was. 2010s, when uh, internet and other communication technologies uh, were not so developed as today. In so Russia, some... I suppose, because here, I guess it was already the same. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so- sometimes, some- sometimes we delivered uh, translations or we uh, delivered translations to freelance translator in on, on paper. Um, and uh, because, uh, for example, a good translator did not have um, a good access to the internet. And it was, it was, it was. Uh, so you more... translated a lot of documents, right? Personal documents, yeah. things like that. Yes, yes. More uh, challenging than, maybe more challenging than today. Uh, and as you said, in 2011, I uh, moved to Portugal and uh, became uh, CEO and uh, co-owner of uh, Free Language LDA. Since then, I have been living here uh, mm-hmm. in Lisbon. I really like uh, Portugal. No, I love Portugal and everything. Uh, I, I am, I am. Uh, you know, when I. When I hear some words, some criticism about Portugal, I I I I want I, I don't I don't I don't know want I don't know what I want to do, but I I always say stop uh, because Portugal is a wonderful country to live and uh, to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2019, uh, almost yes, four years ago, uh, it was June or July. I attended an interesting workshop in Lisbon about uh, LinkedIn. Uh, before that workshop, uh, my I, I uh, used LinkedIn once in three or four months. But mm-hmm. after that workshop, I got an idea why not to uh, transform uh, my uh, LinkedIn page into a blog for freelance translators, interpreters, language professionals, because I, I really had something to share, uh, mm-hmm. some advice recommendations uh, from the point of view of their potential client Mm -hmm. uh, to try to share uh, another point of view. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's always good to have such a possibility. So I started uh, my regular publications, uh, posts, uh, some content. And uh, I also, uh, as for today, I also offer for uh, consulting services 
for freelance language professionals, uh, such as individual consultations, um, CV reviews, uh, professional profile reviews. I also, one of the services is intended to help uh, in the development of LinkedIn pages um, mm -hmm. to uh, gain uh, more engagement, to uh, find more followers. Uh, and actually to find more clients via LinkedIn on, on LinkedIn. Uh, finally, in 2020, I wrote my book about email marketing in our industry. Uh, it is uh, available on Amazon. Uh, and I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm proud uh, for, the, that, for that work because um, as a CEO of a translation agency, I keep receiving uh, emails from uh, freelance translators and interpreters, and uh, each time, each time I see the, the same mistakes or some things that can be improved, and uh, I decided to write a book about it, and I did it, and uh, I uh, actually after. Uh, more than three years. I during the, after after publication, I received um, a lot of positive feedback from uh, our colleagues. And uh, last year, I uh, joined uh, Freelandly.com team. It is a platform for uh, freelancers. That um, it's not another it's not another portal that where clients can uh, publish some information about their projects and needs for language services. Uh, Freelandly.com is a tool that aggregate, uh, aggregates information about uh, translation jobs, um, assignments uh, from various sources on the web and put it into one feed and each user can uh, adjust this, uh, set up uh, accounts in a way that allows to see only projects and jobs that correspond to mm -hmm. uh, working languages, specialization, um, and uh, addition, some additional uh, parameters. So that, this is my path in the industry. And today I am I am glad that my, uh, I want to believe that my contribution to this uh, our professional community help uh, some of our colleagues to reach better results and to um, that my advice and recommendations are truly helpful. Mm -hmm. So uh, going a little bit back to the transition between the times in Russian and the times in Portugal, how different was it to, to establish a company or a translation agency back then in Russia? And then how was it to establish your business in Portugal? Uh, of course, the situations were uh, different because yes, <laughs> uh, yes um, the situations were different. Um, in terms of uh, making business, it was harder in uh, Russia mm -hmm. uh, because of uh, various uh, laws, uh, restrictions, uh, regulations, and so on. Um, however, there um, in Russia, we understood uh who were our customers uh, that mainly those days um there people um even companies and people mainly translated documents i mean personal documents or uh, some other business documents and we focused on that group 
When I arrived um, to Portugal, uh, it was hard. I made I made a number of mistakes. I uh, if I I I, I know uh, it, uh, today I see that some things and actually a lot of things could be done in another way. And I needed approximately six months or half a year to uh, start understanding how things uh, were going um, here. So, mm -hmm. uh, but it was both experiences were interested uh, and um, were interesting and uh, encouraging. So, mm -hmm. But was it in terms of finding the clients? Was it the setup of the company? Because I guess the, the laws in Portugal are probably more flexible in terms of setting up the company yeah. itself. But then when you're in the real world already with your company, so how was that process of, of actually finding the first few clients that would then lead you to what you have these days? As, as, as you know, as you know, uh, no business can exist without customers. Yes. <laughs> and it, it was it was the first challenge uh, to find uh, first clients. Mm. Uh, because, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, when I started my first business in Russia, we said we have 25 languages and uh, it was something special. Uh, because um, usually those days, uh, local translation agencies offered five languages maximum, mm -hmm. and we said we have twenty-five, and it it attracted attention of uh, some customers, even uh, even authorities, uh, even uh, some state bodies, because they needed translations um, from um, in, in, for example, from some Eastern European languages, and we had people who could do that. Mm -hmm. uh, here the competition, uh, you know, uh, here in Portugal. No, I mean not only in Portugal because we work with uh, customers from all over uh, Europe and from uh, North America. Uh, they those days they already had uh, vendors who offered them many languages. Uh, those days they we of course we needed some time to prove that we really could provide quality translations. Mm -hmm. And um, it's uh, maybe it is easier to uh, when when we, for example a company exists exists for a couple of years, but uh, when you just started, it's it you, you should really work hard to um, to to prove that. Mm. Did you start by by offering all of those? Well, the same languages, the same groups of languages, the same families of languages, the same number of languages that you used to offer to your clients in Russia, or did you have to adjust also that? I suppose you have to, right? Yes, yes, uh, of course, because, uh, um, of course, uh, uh, we, uh, I started with uh, those languages because I... Uh, and those are the Eastern uh, European... Uh, yes. But um, naturally, <laughs> the demand for Eastern European languages, for example, in Portugal, was lower than for Western European language, mm -hmm. languages. Uh, so we, of course, I needed to focus on other languages, and I, uh, I needed to focus on uh, my clients' needs, because, um, for example, there was one company who uh, needed translations from uh, Portuguese into Chinese or from Chinese into Portuguese. And speaking of languages, you know, uh, the difference was as follows. 
when uh, we worked in Russia, most of the translations were from one language into Russian or from Russian into one mm -hmm. another right. language. And here I uh, needed to learn how to work with other language combinations, not only from portages or into portages. And um, I, I, I don't remember, but I think the very first project was from uh, Spanish into Norwegian or something like that. Wow. <laughs> and it was something new for me because I needed to learn how to work with um, freelancers who uh, maybe sometimes do not even speak English at all. How to arrange, uh, how to ar arrange uh, the cooperation, how to arrange mm -hmm. the communication. Yeah. It was different because the variety of language combinations um, here is was at least uh, much uh, more extended than, than in Russia. Mm -hmm. So you immediately started offering uh, like not so typical uh, combinations within the European context. Um, my goal was to, um, you know, uh, I think we should be adaptive, especially small translation agencies, especially uh, those uh, who make the first steps in the business. And uh, I tried my best to communicate with potential clients to find out their needs. And for example, after a call, after some uh, communication, I've uh, started searching for those vendors, for those freelancers who could help with uh, the, their needs. Mm -hmm. So the actual uh, list of languages and language combinations was formed uh, was formed by clients because uh, after one or two successful projects, a customer returned with a new request. Mm -hmm. After we did a good translation from Spanish into Norwegian, they came back with another translation from mm -hmm. Spanish into Finnish. So if it is so, we need to focus on searching for professional uh, translators, proven translators from uh, Spanish into Finnish. And mm -hmm. uh, um, I think that uh, the offer um, actually depends on, on customer, customer's needs. Mm -hmm. So these days on your website, for example, do you advertise like a, a set of main languages and then you 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 leave a note saying, and if you need other combinations, let us know, right? Something like that. So what? how many languages do you usually work with on a regular basis? Like, is it a huge amount of languages? Do you focus on a group? Today, we offer 55 languages. Ooh. But of course, um, um, of course, I think that uh, there, there are something around 10 core languages. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe maybe 12 uh, but from time to time even today we have very extraordinary uh, requests from our uh, customers and we always do our best to arrange translations for them mm -hmm. and um, I think that uh, there was a period of uh, maybe a couple of years uh, when um, I observed the growing demand for Eastern European languages and again it was it was challenging because we needed to arrange trans uh, translations and various language services, for instance, from uh, Portuguese into Czech or you know, Macedonian. Of uh, and and it was it was challenging because actually there are not so many uh, translators from uh, Portuguese into Macedonian. But again, 
there are many people, many professionals. Uh, you just need to search for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, my activity on LinkedIn, on uh, this social platform, also helps me to find absolutely uh, great language professionals. Mm-hmm. We cooperated with one person who was Spanish, who uh, speaks German, and also eight Eastern European languages. Wow. I, I, at first, at first, I did not believe. But <laughs> when, when I uh, started receiving absolutely fantastic feedback from our customers who were native speakers of that languages, uh, those languages, I was, I was, I was really happy that mm-hmm. I found. Mm-hmm. What, what about in terms of uh, verticals? What we call in the industry verticals. So the subjects that you work uh the most for so the, the kind of companies is there a group of subjects do you do more legal do you do more personal documents do you do more technical is there a, a group of subjects or verticals that you specialize in or are you like able to just have an open um we uh, uh from the beginning i uh, understood that uh, there are some uh subject uh, subject fields uh, where we uh, it it is uh, not impossible but um, the whole agency should be focused on some uh, topics like medicine mm-hmm. pharmaceutical uh, from pharmaceutics and some other things so we um, always focus on legal translations technical translations and let's say so called business translations I think that this category includes also marketing, uh, website translations, uh, localization, and so on. So, um, and speaking of personal documents, uh, yes, sometimes, of course, we translate personal <laughs> documents, but I think it's something between, uh, something close to legal legal field. Mm, okay. So do you feel like the, the growth of... Um... A variety of new nationalities coming to Portugal has impacted your business in terms of the type of documents that you work with, or do you have your customers in such a way that you didn't really feel that change in Portugal specifically? Uh, you know, it's very. It is a very interesting question because, uh, as I said, we work with uh, clients from all over the Euro- all over Europe and from the USA and some from, from some Asian countries too. So um, the part, the share of um, Portuguese clients mm. uh, isn't very big. Mm. What I observed and what I was uh, happy to know that when these years, a lot of people uh, came to live in, uh, to Portugal, mm-hmm. uh, we uh, are able to establish more and more uh, connections with uh, other linguists, with language professionals. Ah, because at the beginning uh, of my work here in Portugal, sometimes it was easier to find a translator from uh, or into Portuguese living abroad. Mm. And today, there are, again, great language professionals who decided to move to Portugal. And you, the, the variety of them grows uh, each year. Mm. So basically, the impact was in your pool that of people that you work with, yes, and not yes. necessarily the customers. Because these days, I can imagine, for example... I can think of Romanian, I imagine, that you can find these days people who work from Portuguese into Romanian and actually live in Portugal or have lived in Portugal, you know, things or Ukrainian, not even talking yeah. about Ukrainian because that's too obvious. 
a, a real life example. Um, when we had, uh, it was always uh, easier to find a translator from Italian into Portuguese in Italy. Mm-hmm. Today, it's vice versa. There are a lot of Italian translators living here, and um, yes, it's. It, I think I, the main change is uh, the in, is in the possibility to work with more people uh, located here in Portugal. Mm-hmm. So you told me already that you have, and, and it's true because I've seen it, a great presence in, on LinkedIn and all of that, right? So it's it's probably part of your also vendor management strategy. And I say vendor management because everybody knows that I'm interested in that subject. So it's part of your strategy to also be present and to also allow translators to come to you with their offers and with, with what they do. And so of course. you probably don't have to look that far these days to find your human resources, right? So how do you go about that? Do you just search the profiles? Do you, when you need a new language pair or if you have a new subject that you need to to offer to a, an existing client, how do you go about looking for your people? Of course, our team use various uh, approaches. But uh, as for me, I always prefer to contact uh, people individually. Mm-hmm. We, uh, today, for example, we use uh, freelandly.com to uh, find uh, language professionals. Uh, but um, yes, uh, LinkedIn uh, gives some great opportunities to find the right person and to com- communicate with this person uh, individually. Why uh, I like this approach more? Because mm-hmm. uh, if we speak about some popular platforms and professional portals for language professionals, uh, when uh, a company, an LSP, uh, publishes a project, mm-hmm. you receive a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of offers from uh, people who pretend to be freelancers, mm-hmm. or people, uh, yes, from various agencies that even uh, that uh, and it, it, it's you know if uh, we work with freelancers we work with, with freelancers we rarely make exceptions only for some difficult language combinations mm-hmm. uh, but uh, when you publish a project and you receive uh, 11 or or even 100 offers from uh, bangladesh or from india mm-hmm. indian companies, uh it's you need to spend a lot of time uh, checking all of them mm-hmm. i don't i don't want to say that a company in bangladesh or india cannot provide translations from english into german but if we work with freelancers and we if we clearly state that we need to find a freelance language professional we want to find freelance language professional we don't want to work, work with the company but that's the point on linkedin you can check the profile Profiles, you can um, even before sp- spending people's time on uh, any communication, you mm-hmm. can have an idea about specialization, about le- working languages, about experience, and then you can easily start communication with, uh, with a person. And you can be more specific because you know that uh, this or that person is uh, the right choice for this or that project. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think. Uh, in terms of freelance business development, LinkedIn is a great tool. Mm-hmm. 
So there's the inevitable question of your view on <laughs> you're in a, in one of the best positions of the people I usually have to give me uh, an overview on what you think the present, because the future of our industry is like very dependent on the present. So how do you see things evolving right now in comparing, for example, on the situation three or four years ago and what's happening now and how it's going to develop from here on. How do you see that with all the chat GTP situation and artificial intelligence? And do you feel like there's always going to be a place for small agencies? Do you feel like uh, not everybody is going to just succumb to <laughs> the big company situations? How's it going to go for, from, from your point of view? In my opinion, there are always two groups of clients. Mm -hmm. First group, uh, the customers of so the first group, they always want to find a cheaper solution. Mm -hmm. And of course, such uh, new technologies uh, that uh, help to reduce the cost of uh, translation services uh, will uh, already uh, has an impact on our industry. Because if a, if a client wants uh, to, have, to, to, to have something cheaper, they would use, um, such a customer will always use um, some cheapest, cheaper solutions. At that, there are also customers, you know, the, the second group, uh, who really uh, need quality, who are ready to invest their money and even um, some other resources into quality of their content, into quality of their translations. And I do believe that uh, for them, uh, an ability to work with uh, human translators is much more important than the ability to um, save some money on translation costs. Mm -hmm. Moreover, um, I, you know, I, I am always surprised why uh, machine translations are so popular. Why? <laughs> because, uh, yes, the, the biggest advantage is the possibility to translate a big volume of uh, words within hours or days. Yes, it's not possible to... Uh, it is harder to arrange uh, translate, big, uh, translations of big volumes of text uh, within the same time frame. But um, as for me, not so many customers actually need some translations so quickly. Yes, mm -hmm. there are situations. Yes, even when big prominent companies need to have uh, 100 pages translated by the end of the day. Yes, there are such situations. But I do not think that the share of such situations is as big as, it, uh, for example, providers of machine translation technologies would like to show us. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is the first point. And the second point that I cannot uh, actually understand, even those companies, uh, the, even those businesses that um, translate a lot of content or need to translate um, a lot of documents, product descriptions, and so on. Anyway, the share of uh, expenses, the share of money spent on translations and language services is, neglect is, neglect is neglectable. Mm -hmm. If Let's say if a company has a, a turnover of 50 million uh, dollars or euros uh, per year. They, they, they are not going, they I think they 
mean, I know it. They are not going to worry about spending 100,000 euros on uh, translations and language services. With they and they, I don't, I don't think that. Uh, uh, I, th I think that machine translations and all these technologies are more popular among companies who uh, need to make something uh, faster. For example, um, a company sells some products on various marketplaces, and their um, business success depends on an ability to publish, let's say, as more product descriptions as possible. Yes, main, but they they are not um, they do not worry about the quality of the text. They mm -hmm. because this uh, they they need to sell these products today and tomorrow they are going to sell another product. Yeah, uh, and this is my point of view. So I do believe I want to believe that uh, the share of uh, customers who value quality and who value uh, humans' work uh, will remain either the same or will not uh, reduce that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like your perspective of things because it totally makes sense that you have that distinction between what customers really want and they what they really need. And you're, I think you're absolutely right in saying that not everybody needs massive volumes of text translated from one day to the other. So I guess it it totally makes sense, right? I, I, can, I, I can, from my point of view, my... Um, I can say uh, that uh, for me, I can compare it with the following. You have a flat and you want to rent it. Mm. So you need to renovate it a little bit. But if you, are going, if you are going to live in this flat by yourself, you want to create your cozy home, you will spend more time on design, on materials. Or you will try to find uh, people with uh, great skills uh, and so on. Uh, it's something like this. Mm -hmm. So you, if it's closer to your heart, you want it yes. better yes. and with yes. a lot more of a of a human presence. Yes. If 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 a brand invests money in uh, in the development, mm -hmm. I think they would prefer to have professional human translations than to save just a little bit on using machine translations or artificial intelligence solutions. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. What about speaking about personal? So what are your personal, professional, obviously, projects at the moment that you're working on? And what does your daily life look like in terms of work? Um, I try to divide my um, daily routine to several parts. Uh, I won't hide one fact. I really like writing. Mm -hmm. And um, I also work on some um, maybe publications, bigger publications than, than, a, than uh, a post for, mm -hmm. for, for autumn or um, after all holidays. Maybe maybe I will be able to complete some of my uh, writing projects in August. You mean articles for... Yes, articles and so on. Uh, then, of course... Uh, I cannot avoid spending time on uh, the main business, on free language, because mm -hmm. I am uh, involved in uh, all processes and I am involved in uh, production, in administration, in customer relations. So yes, it, uh, it takes time and it, uh, and uh, of course, uh, and, and one more uh, part, one more uh, direction of my work, as I said, is uh, working with Freeland team on developing um, their tool, not only 
on developing their tool as it is, but on uh, also adding value to, to the services, to, to this solution, to this uh, platform. Uh, we have some plans on creating some content, some tools, uh, webinars, and some other events for freelance language professionals. So I, I'm all, every day I'm trying to find the balance between uh, all of these uh, directions and um, and at least to have uh, some time for for myself. I mean, for <laughs> working on some um, things that are interesting for for, for me. Uh, maybe, uh, as I said, for example, writing or uh, working on some content. So, are you working on another book, uh, or is it a secret? <laughs> You are. Uh, right. no, the, you know the problem is that, uh, as I said, I like, don't have I, the time. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I I did not plan to write a book uh, mm -hmm. three years ago. I thought it it's going to be a brochure or a leaflet, uh, something small, but um, I could not stop. Mm -hmm. And so, why would uh, why should all freelancers or freelance translators? Uh, have your book. What's what's in there that is specifically catering to needs that are were present then and are still present now? Because I, I want to leave a, a link to all of your things and your portals and your all of your things down here. So I guess it would be on on YouTube on the YouTube version. So I guess it would be very beneficial for us to know uh, exactly what can be found in the book. As I said, I analyzed some typical errors and mistakes. It is the first benefit of the book. Mm -hmm. The second uh, uh, point, I offer some uh, solutions how to avoid such mistakes or mm -hmm. how to improve uh, the, whole, the, the whole email marketing as a process and how to improve emails and provide a lot of examples, real-life examples of uh, how, to, how to do this or that. And the third point that I consider that one of the most important, I also in that book, I also offer, uh, I suggest a strategy of uh, reaching clients via email. Because uh, I know that there are a lot of uh, advisors uh, who say email marketing is outdated and so on, but not in, in our market. Mm -hmm. Still communicate a lot via emails. We use emails in our every day. So why not to benefit from it? And it's cheaper, it's uh, easier, mm -hmm. and you just need to have an internet access to start using it. So yes, this, uh, I believe that my book uh, helps to avoid mistakes. Uh, it allows to improve uh, the whole process. Mm -hmm. And uh, the third point, uh, after reading the book, um, I think a person has a, uh, has a strategy and, and absolutely every person, absolutely every translator or interpreter can start using it right now, right mm -hmm. today. Yeah, so that sounds like a plan. So we will leave all the information once we have uh, our conversation published. Pavel, thank you so much for this. This was great. I love talking to people who are in the translation business from the business side, which is a, a pretty rare for until now on my podcast, but I'm I'm definitely uh trying to <laughs> to get that a bit more present in my activities because it's something that really interests me. And I really thank you for being here. It was great to know how you work and what your expectations are and how much you have to contribute to the community. And we will continue to follow you on LinkedIn. 
Thank you, Rita. Uh, I really enjoyed, you know, I really enjoyed talking with you. It, it's not our first talk. It's not I our do, first rodeo. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and I do hope it's not going to be the last one. So let's stay in touch. Uh, thank you for your invitation to participate in your podcast. And uh, I will be uh, happy to be here again if, with some other topics and uh, discuss some other matters connected with our uh, professional community yes we will thank you so much for this and have a great day bye thank you bye bye